podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, everybody, what's going on? Stephen Alson, Joe Smith. Hello. All right. Yeah, I'm very good. Are you? Smashing. Good. I mean, not really, right, but... Why? Fucking well bored last night. Yeah, but we won. Get oh, over I'm it. Just saying. We're going to the next round. We'll probably play Chelsea or whoever's the best team left in this competition. Yeah, that's what they do. They, they look at the rank and then United just get from the top of the pile. Yeah, and City will get Oldham or, yeah. you know, So a comment before on Twitter. Mm. It says United are going to get Spurs. Yeah. And then someone went, well, who's City going to get? Because obviously the running joke is City just get garbage teams, don't yep. they? And they said Brentford. Who was it? It was Brentford. Do you remember who I said? No, someone. Brentford. Brentford, Wickham or Stratford Paddock. Mm. Are you like, in the FA Cup? No. Uh, well, th- that's but the problem, I, isn't it? You but I there. thought that's banter. Yeah. Um, what were you here to talk about today, then? It's a big debate. It is, isn't it? No. Oh, well, it's a bit of a debate, anyway. Uh, it's a bit of a debate. Yeah, because, well, <laughs> last night, has uh, thrown up a few talking points on social media, in the office. I say last night, it was West Ham game, um, and also um, the Everton game. Thrown up a few talking points, one of which is David De Gea or Dean Henderson, uh, and the other of which, mostly coming from last night, is Fred or McTominay. Um, who should be playing? Who's better? Who should be starting? Who are we trying to build a team around? Um, and I think it's it's worth having. It's worth getting uh, people's opinions at home as well. So uh, chat along with us, get in the comments. We'll come to some of them as we go along. Um, who would you like to start with out of those two options? Fred or McTominay or Henderson or De Gea? Let's go to keepers. Start with the keepers. Start at the back. Start as we mean to go on. Um, obviously, Dean. I mean, Dean Henderson is. Uh, I don't know what what age he joined Manchester United, but he's been at Man United for a few years. Was on loan at Sheffield United last season. A long time. Been at, been there for in a long crowd. time. In a crowd, Marcus Rashford ran and hugged him when he scored his daddy's debut. What was that? Five years ago? Four years five ago? Five years ago, in like about a week, which is ridiculous. Um, De Gea is Manchester United's number one keeper and has been for the best part of a decade now. He wasn't particularly great last season. He's maybe been a bit better this season. Mm-hmm. But the goals we saw against Everton, particularly their uh, third goal, you co- you have to call into question a little bit De Gea's, I wouldn't necessarily say bravery, but just his, his technique and his style of stay on my line, see what happens, which is great when the shots are coming from the 18-yard box or the 10-yard bo- yard line. But when they're coming from the six-yard box or two yards out, and you still aren't close enough to the man to, to block the ball or to even hinder the shot really in any way. He didn't Calvert-Lewin didn't really even have to consider De Gea in, in, his, mm. in his choice for that. He'd just find the net and it's in. Yeah, there was no threat of getting clattered no, either. No, and Which we like, don't we? Let's we do real. like a bit of that. We like that. Yeah, and, and that tell is quite loud, isn't it? Or someone, something is. Um, the thing with that is when De Gea does that, you, you you never feel as though he's putting pressure on the attackers. You don't feel as though he's going to stop attacks. But he used to make up for that, or he has made up for that in the past, by being the best shot stopper in the world. By, you know, every single time someone takes a shot from the edge of the 18-yard box... It's the wrong remote. Camera. It's not, he's got it. You trust him to stop that shot. Whereas last season, he wasn't even stopping those shots. Now, he, he seems to have improved his... He's making less mistakes this season... But you see it in, I thought we saw it in the Leipzig game, the away game, that last goal where the ball comes across the six-yard line and when the ball arrives at the feet of the attacker, he still isn't anywhere near them for it to get for, to, to stop the shot. That puts us out of Champions League now. There were a lot of mistakes in that game. You could blame Maguire, you could blame Lindelof for giving the ball away, you could blame Pogba for, for, for getting tackled so easily. But once again, we look toward De Gea for maybe 
not commanding his box enough. What do you make of De Gea as a goalkeeper generally, and particularly in the last 18 months? Because it hasn't been the best of David De Gea, has it? No. Um, I find it really hard to sort of comprehend what my, my true thoughts on him, to be honest. I mm. think you can massively improve him. Mm. Um, I think there's a ton of issues with him. I'm going to have to get rid of them because I can't hear myself. They're doing worse than nothing. Okay. Um, he doesn't command his box. By all accounts, he doesn't command his back line. Mm. You don't see him coming claiming for crosses. So the one thing that was having him up there in the conversation as best goalkeeper in the world was just this absolute freakish shot stopping. Mm. And without that freakish sort of shot stopping, which isn't really there at the moment, he's had some mm. good saves this season mm. and he has had some good saves. But the problem is with a goalkeeper, you've almost got to be flawless. You've got to have every good save yeah and he ain't he ain't been even close to that no now for me and i'm we're obviously going to get into this in a minute dean henderson hasn't been twice as good as him yeah i don't even know if he's been better than him there's almost not a lot to split between them which mm. is a killer of a like if this is a dip in form play the hair through it and see what happens mm. if it's not a dip in form and it's a decline well that's hard to spot mm. I don't think he's... Here's the weird one, because his kicking used to be good. Mm. I'm wondering, because I don't know enough about goalkeeping, I'm wondering what impact having about half a dozen goalkeeping coaches has done to him. In his time at United, you mm -hmm. mean, rather than at once? Yeah. yeah. He started off with um, Eric Steele. Eric Steele was the one who scouted him and begged Fergie to sign him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, famously, Fergie missed a match to go watch him, which is mad that he couldn't find another match. Eric Steele left. Um, I don't know. It was it. Uh, was it Chris Woods? Moyes brought in. I can't remember the specific timeline, but and then it was Franz Hoke. Yeah, I remember that with Louis. Louis. Then it was. Um, it was a big bald fella under <laughs> Jose. <laughs> Let's call him Big Bald Fella. Then it was like Emiliano, who was yeah. absolutely fucking chocolado, was wasn't it? An exciting <laughs> man from the small clips of him that we saw. I say clips. It was real life in in uh, in Perth. He's a man who is full of zest, isn't yeah, he? I reckon he's got an entirely mirrored bedroom ceiling. Definitely, yeah. He's got a bit of that about him. Yeah, not in a Loads bad way. No, but, he's, but that, you know, that's, quite a that's his vibe. Yes, um, uh, and you no, know, he was relieved of his duties for whatever reason not so long ago. Yeah, um, and now I'm not sure who he got now. Anyway, but that's a lot of coaches mm. to go through and a lot of upheaval. I believe Lee Grant sort of coaches. I believe yep. Romero sort of gets involved in the coaching, or did. Probably just Probably completely just tossed it off now, now. Doesn't he? Just shouts abuse in Spanish. Mm. Fucking Buddha. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what impact that has had, whether mm. we need to go, go... You know, the attitude of United never seems to be what's the best available. It's almost mm. a very much a make-do kind of thing, you know, which is the opposite of what they did with the... the their NFL team, they went, who's the best player in the world, potentially? Mm. And they went, Brady, get him. We didn't do that. We never do that. Why don't we go, who's the best goalkeeping coach in the world? Get him. Mm. And maybe that would settle him. You know, Van der Sar is obviously CEO of Ajax. He's not going to come and coach Manchester United. Standing in the goalkeeper. cold, throwing balls for Devin De But there's got to be someone out there with a good reputation mm. that could help him. He's got a, a very unique style. So do you need to go back to 
wherever he came through with Atletico and find the guy that mm. taught him that style and and almost Mr. Miyagi him back mm. with with you know someone who understands his style because if you're someone that's you know apparently he's got the wrong technique hasn't he where he goes upper hand high yeah. when he's saving stuff rather than low hand high mm. now it's very effective for him but can you imagine how frustrating it must be for him and for any sort of coach mm. who's working with him going oh you're doing it wrong and he's like or or a goalkeeper coach that sees that he's doing it wrong but appreciates that it's the way he does it and yet still has no experience in making him better at the new way he does it. Like, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't go, you're doing it wrong because it's David De Gea. But he, he can't help him get better within his own style because, you, you know, like I said, they're, they're not used to it. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's weirdly good with his feet. He use, he overuses his feet, mm. some would say. Um, I think we looked at one of the goals Dean Henderson conceded and went, De Gea probably stops that. Mm. <laughs> because it's, obviously, he's, he's got certain characteristics about him as a, as a, yep. a goalkeeper that others don't have. So I wonder, are we potentially doing him some sort of disservice? Mm. Now, he was world-class for a handful of seasons. Yes, yeah. at least four or five years. Yeah, world-class. Yeah. Then he was terrible. Mm. And he's, he's a bit in between at the moment. Mm. Whether that's with Dean Henderson coming back, whatever the reason is behind that, um, we give him an absolutely eye-watering contract recently. Yeah, I, and I was, someone mentioned this on Twitter, and then I, I repeated it yesterday again. It's this isn't confirmed at all because, generally speaking, no contracts for footballers are confirmed and certain. I believe he may be the most highly paid footballer in the Premier League. Is that possible? I'd be shocked if he was because I've seen some of the ones that the likes of Sterling and that are on, right. and, and it'll make you throw up. He's certainly United's highest pay, pay player, isn't he? Or he, he was when he signed the contract. And I think it was only Sanchez who was paid more than him. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Um, right, I've got a few stats anyway, so we'll get into some stats and look at it based around that. Now, what I've done for the goalkeepers, um, I've gone for last season's stats because Henderson has only played three league games this season. It's not really a good enough sample size. So De Gea has potentially got a little bit better than this this season, but these are the last full seasons for both of them, so judge them on this. Um, Henderson... 36 uh, appearances, 13 clean sheets. De Gea, 38 appearances, 13 clean sheets. So the same number of clean sheets. Uh, 97 saves to 96, very similar. Um, 16 punches and 16 high claims for Henderson. Only 9 and 9 for De Gea. So that goes sort of towards the coming out through bodies and clearing the well, ball. It's, it's, it's across the two, Yeah, it's, it's twice as much. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and 11 catches for De Gea, slightly more than Henderson, seven catches, probably because some of that is punching and clearing the ball out. Here's another one, three sweeper clearances for De Gea, eight for Henderson. Yeah. So coming out again, it's Huge all about difference. commanding the box, all about bailing out the defence, being willing to, to address the ball when you aren't having to save the ball. He clearly stands out in those areas, certainly last season anyway, and, and I think we can see that. Errors leading to goals, as we know De Gea didn't have the best season, it was three. Only one for Henderson. And here's uh, back to your point before about his distribution. Henderson, 934 passes. De Gea, 786, which there's a discrepancy there, but not too much. Mm -hmm. Henderson passes per game, so doesn't you know take into account the, the, the overall number. 26 for Henderson, 20 for De Gea. And accurate long balls is 265 for Henderson, only 96, less than half, almost a third, even though he's played roughly the same amount of games, just 96 for De Gea. So the long balls that you talked about, uh, controlling his box with punches and with his feet, Henderson seems as though he stands out and statistically does stand out. It, what do you think of those two? Let's, let's 
it's boiling it down a little bit too much. I, I, I appreciate that. And people can change and, you know, people can adapt to new systems. But of those two profiles of a goalkeeper that we see there, one's better with their hands, one's better at coming out and, and dealing with things. Uh, and the other is, you know, and Henderson's better well, with his Well, if you there. look at that... What do you think we need more at United? I mean, even the errors leading to goal, that's yeah. enough of a stat on its own to make you consider something. Mm. You know, it's three times as many. If I give you a car that was three times more reliable or less reliable, yeah. you'd, you'd have some things to say, wouldn't you? I think if you was judging them on that alone, there's no case. Mm. There is no case whatsoever. The, the problem comes, Dean Henderson has, and probably more likely his agent, is has to be knocking on the door going, when's my go? When mm. do I get a go? When do I get a go? I'm going to have to go if you don't give me a go. There's only so long you can stall him without ruining him mm. uh, and hold him back without ruining him before the club has to make a decision on De Gea. And uh, whether or not people want to admit that there's politics in football, they are, and mm. they make they they pick the team There's sometimes. politics in Greg's and in Coupland's and in the local market stall and in every. There's politics everywhere. So once there's, you know, 350, 370 grand a week's worth of yeah. assets on the table... You think there's not politics, it's massive and it controls a lot of football. Because even if, like, Ollie could go to Glazers and, and Woodward and go, right, Dino's my man. Mm. And they go, cool, what are we going to do with the guy that's the highest paid player in the club then? Yeah. And he go, get rid of him. And you go, cool, to who? <laughs> like, so, <laughs> yeah. like, you, you get fucked because the club will not be willing to just write that off mm. because that's a lot of cash. Yeah. And you can't, we're not Manchester City, we can't just write off wastes like no. that so they'll they they might have gone to him and gone cool you need to play him mm. so we can sell him yeah because also as we saw with sanchez at some point a player's wage actually is money taken off their overall fee if they're being paid too much like with sanchez we're like just you know, just get rid of him fucking do whatever him. go and i wouldn't say with that stage with De Gea is much more valuable as a better player in his position than sanchez was at united but, but he's on so much money that who's going to buy him for that so you've just shown me them stats right yeah what's henderson on 120 a week which is a third of what De Gea's on right so if you're coming to manchester united mm. as give me a club Ledger Warsaw, well played. Okay. Right? So, if you're coming to Manchester United, yeah. you're in the market for an expensive keeper here. Yeah. Right? Who you who are you going with? Henderson. Yeah. He's younger. He's got, obviously got more seasons left he's in him. He's on a third he's as much third cash. And he'll probably cost you less anyway because he's less experienced. Yeah. So, who who are we going to trick into buying David mm. De Gea off us? Mm. I don't know. And also, it, it, that's the thing, isn't it? Like... One of these goalkeepers, like you said, at some point, one of them will kind of die on the vine if they don't get played for two seasons. So in terms of getting rid of one of them, which we will have to do at some point, it is much easier to get rid of Henderson, whether that be on a loan yeah. or on a permanent, because you know someone's got to pay De Gea e either equal to or more than what he's on now, because yeah. pe or players don't go down. Or convince him to take a pay. Well, yeah, very Not rare. happening. No. Not happening. Uh, we've got a super chat from Peter Kelly. He said, when crosses came in, Hendo comes out and catches it, even... Uh, where where even a free where he came out and caught it on the edge of the box, maybe even a few, I think it maybe means there, where he came out and caught it on the edge of the box that De Gea wouldn't do. It kills attacks when goalkeepers come out to claim crosses. He did one last night where he was on basically the penalty spot coming out between defenders. The defenders had no attackers on him, but still he doesn't leave it for Maguire to head it out or Lindelof to head it out. Even though they're free, he's still the one who controls it. And that is about controlling the box, isn't it? And there's one with the, the Wan-Bissaka one where 
Wan-Bissaka went to pass it back to him or went to clear it and sliced it straight up in the air. But he was the only one alert to it. I'm pretty sure Henderson was screaming at him for that as well because you see him coming out with it like, it looks like he's shouting, obviously we don't know. It looked like he was shouting and, and Wan-Bissaka still sliced it up in the air, but it looked like he was fuming at that. Interestingly on that, Wan-Bissaka's done that, oofed it up in the air. Um, Maguire just looks confused. Mm. Lindelof kind of points at it a little bit. <laughs> Wan-Bissaka looks equally as confused as, yep. as Maguire does, and Henderson's the only one who goes, oh, shit, and runs back to his line. Mm. I, I like him, I rate him, and I think what's difficult to assess is the quality of chances United concede versus the quality of chance that Sheffield United conceded yep. with him in it. But when you look at the fall-off they've had this season, mm. and he's one of the only discernible factors that mm. you can put your finger on. Yeah, well, United had, I believe, the most clean sheets of any team in Europe last season. And and Dean Henderson had the same number in the league as De Gea. So they were sensational defensively. That was what... They didn't score many goals, but their defensive base, which isn't just the goalkeeper, but obviously a, a good goalkeeper plays a big part, yeah. was a huge part of why they did so well. well. Most of that defence is still there. Yeah. And they've got Ramsdale. Yeah. Um, Harry with a super chat, he says, Bin De Gea off now, Henderson in, board of David. That's a bit aggressive, I think. A little bit aggressive. A little bit aggressive, but it does seem as though it's the Mate, opinion a lot of stand people stand up have. for yourself. Do it. Time to fucking sling it. I don't agree with you necessarily, but... Uh, oh, I, so go on, give us your final verdict. Where do you stand? See, personally... Because we, yeah. to close out a debate, you've got to have that judge's decision. Mm. Even though reality is often a bit more grey than that. Mm. Um, for me... I, I, with the style of play we play now, I think that someone who can control the box, who is dom not dominant necessarily, but is much more adept at handling set pieces against us and who comes out of their box to clear balls over the top, with us playing a higher line, with us relying on holding the ball in the opposition half a bit more, I think there's going to be more balls over the top. There's going to be more of a dependence on set pieces for opposition teams. And like it's no... It's no coincidence that every single time De Gea plays when the opposition gets a corner there are five opposition players in the six yard box not the 18 yard box the six yard box yesterday Henderson's playing there was one in the six yard box and they don't kick it to him because they know that Henderson will come out and, and at least try and claim it you're not going to get a free header off um, if we continue playing the way we are now I think Henderson is more suited to that style I think the number one communication for it the one thing is communication, mm. as he says, butchering communication. <laughs> um, I think the number one thing for a goalkeeper is communication. Yeah. Um, some people would like playing in front of shouty, Peter Schmeichel style goalkeepers. Some people may prefer the, the calmer sort of thingy. I think Henderson sort of straddles a little bit between the two of those. Mm. He's got a shouty loon in him, but I think he, he just sort of has like, almost like goalkeeping Tourette's as well, where mm. he's just constantly talking because he just feels the need to fill that dead air a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's probably more comforting to play in front of mm. than the... Yeah, and, and, you know, again, this is conjecture and just my opinion. If Dean Henderson had been Man United's number one for as long as De Gea had been and our captain left the club, do I believe he would have been given the captaincy, having been our number one with, with his style for eight years like De Gea's been, and yet De Gea was... Not really seriously. He's won the armband a couple of times, and he has, but he's he never was, been a captain. He was never in question for replacing Ashley Young as captain. Some people wanted it. A lot of people Mate, said Pogba look and at Rashford the and fucking people we've had wear that armband. Yeah, it's mad how much that gets passed around. It is. Um, go on then. What are you saying? 
reluctantly lean over towards Henderson. Yeah, I think I do as well. Um, although I think getting rid of De Gea feels a bit strong, mm. I would maybe phase him out. Mm-hmm. But the problem with phasing him out is who wants to buy him at the end of the season? Correct. When he's played three when of the last twenty games, phase the guy out. Yeah. So. Uh, it's hard. Good luck getting rid of him. <laughs> Adam Sweeney with the Super Chat says, if Oli doesn't act soon, we will lose an up-and-coming world-class goalkeeper. They're very hard to find. Sometimes you have to put the team first. I think that's kind of echoing what we said. And we know how hard they are to find. I mean, no offence to Bartes, but between Schmeichel and Van der Sar was a little bit tricky in, in, in goal for United, wasn't it? Uh, Dean Meehan says, a bit unrelated, but just in relation to Steve's review last night, have a look at Zachariah from Munch and Gladbach as the answer for a single pivot number six. Very talented young player. Right, let's move on. Speaking of single pivot number sixes, it's a nice little segue there. Let's move on to Fred and McTominay. Yeah, because neither of those are that. Neither of those are that. But what they but that's probably, what I want, what, Joe. Exactly, that's what we all want. So Fred and McTominay tend to play together, or they have a history of playing together. Recently, they haven't played together as much. And last night we saw Fred starting alongside Matic, which, you know, I, we controlled the game, but... We see Fred's limitations quite quite clearly. Um, Fred's a good footballer if you tell him not to shoot. Yeah, but but seemingly that's not working. Although one thing I've noticed with these two is, or especially with Fred, sorry, his passing's got worse. Like I feel like he's lost so much confidence in his ability to kick the ball, whether that's in front of goal or whether that's just passing. It seems to have got a lot worse, and I don't... I can't really work out why that is, or maybe it's I, just... I think Fred has to... And the, the McTominay-Fred partnership, I think is excellent. Mm. And I mean excellent. I don't mean excellent, but I mean excellent. Mm. Um, when you're probably going to seed possession... PSG away. City. You know, there's times when you go... They're just better than us. Mm. Liverpool are, let's be honest with ourselves. Although they're fragile and you can probably get points against them. There's there's chances in games where you go, oh, there's there's opposition you come up against, you go, mm. ooh, we're going to get beat here. Mm. So we have to prevent that. McTominay and Fred should be a go-to for those situations. Now, I've got no problem if they only play 25 games each a season. And that's heavily rotated. Which in a lot of people games. think sounds like a lot, but... Uh, Van der Beek has already played 22 games or 23 games yeah, this season, and I mean, people are acting like he hasn't touched the pitch. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'd be well happy with that. I, I like McTominay. I think he's, um, and I hear that he is a bit of a leader mm. behind the scenes uh, and a character behind the scenes. And I think having those sorts of players that come in and do that, he's going to get um, compared to Fletcher because of his nationality and he's an academy player and that. I don't think there's anything like Fletcher as a player. But you do need those sorts of players who, they're just in and around the squad. They're never going to be a superstar of the squad. They're never going to be a Ballon d'Or winner. Jesse kind of fulfilled that role for a number of years before like doing nothing for the last two and a half years in the mm. United show, at least. And I think those sort of, like your G-Sung Parks, you don't play every week, but when you come in, you've got a specific job, you fulfill the job and everyone likes you for it. That's McTominay's role. Mm. And to a lesser extent, I think that's also Fred's role. But if United want to be an elite football team, and this goes back to the super chat we got a second ago, mm. I personally think United need a single number six. And I don't think Fred or McTominay are that guy. Mm. Well, let's have a look at a couple of the stats from both of them then. Because at the moment, we are either playing one or the other or both in pretty much every game. So there has to be a question, you know, when Paul Pogba's back fit, Matic obviously played next to Fred yesterday. 
Here's a few stats. Offensively and defensively, there's way more stats you could look at, this pass percentages, all that sort of thing. But these are just in terms of, of goals and, and tackles. So Fred has made 17 appearances, McTominay 20. Uh, Fred with 15 total shots to McTominay's 12, so three more. Uh, Fred has scored no goals, uh, no assists as well. Um, McTominay has scored four goals. Now, Fred's expected goals, which you're a big fan of, I'm not such a big fan of, but just for the sake of argument in terms of the, the types of shots that they both take, where you think, well, f you know, McTominay gets in better positions. Well, Fred's expected goals over those 15 shots is 0.86 uh, cumulatively, and McTominay's is 0.81, and yet he's got four goals off the back of it. So it's not about what chances they get, and let alone the fact that McTominay makes those chances for himself anyway with his runs. But McTominay is clearly a better finisher. We all see that. He's very good yeah. from outside the box. And it's, Sorry, just before we go on. Uh, and the tackles... Um, McTominay, 40, uh, Fred, sorry, 47%, uh, 47 tackles with a 45% success rate. McTominay, uh, substantially less with 32 tackles, but a similar success rate of 44%. So Fred is a, is a bigger tackler. We kind of know that. McTominay does a bit more going forward. We kind of know that. Um, I personally think McTominay would work better next to a number six than Fred would because Fred offers so little going forward, certainly in terms of goals and chances created. But... That's a, a very limited sample it size. Is very of stats. limited. Yeah, and there's 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 these intangibles. People want to focus on one v ones, dribble past mm. uh, the the pass completions, this that and the other. But there's so much more. Um, when we're talking about defenders, this is midfielders. But when you're talking about like the likes of defenders, when a defender is running back towards his goal, he's ineffective. Mm. And that's one of my main issues with Luke Shaw, for example. I see him constantly running back with his back to the play mm. because he's either lazy, if you want to interpret it like that, he's not fit enough to get back, or he doesn't know that he needs to get back. Mm. When a defence is set, such as what we came up against last night, yeah. it's fucking hard. Basically, when they're looking nine at you, men on the edge of the 18-yard box, yeah. wasn't there? But the, the reason that it's hard is because they're looking at you mm. and they can see you and they can see that run there and they can see that run there. When he turns round, you don't have a clue what's going on. No. So a defender that can get in that position early is more effective like that. Something that Scott and Fred are pretty good at, pretty good at because they're not flawless at it. Both of them have been left for dust by midfields mm -hmm. in the past, but that, that's football. They're pretty good at being in position, mm. but there's no stat for that. No. There's no stat that tells you that they were facing the goal when they became 1v1. Or, mm. you know, it doesn't get included in the 1v1 success when they was in the right position. Some people have a higher 1v1 success, but they would have an even higher 1v1 success if it's in the right fucking place mm. to have more 1v1s. There's, uh, there's stuff like interceptions and blocks, which you can look at, which sort of pads it out, and you can, especially if you use the stat zone app, you can sort of see where those sort of things are happening, and yep. they're near the halfway line or are they in front of our box. What's the opposite side one doing? Okay, so either he's covering for him or he's fucking about near the halfway line. Mm. Where's the average sort of involvement for this guy? I think that both of them aren't full sixes, and they're not full eights. Or if they are, they're, you know, I think Paul Pogba's an eight. Mm. They're not the same as them two. No. I, I would say of the two, McTominay is closer to Paul Pogba, not just because he's taller and bigger like Pogba is, but he carries the ball better than Fred. He's, I think he's a better passer than Fred, although, oh, I he's, although passing, he's not yeah. a great passer. I think his passing's got a lot to be desired. He's, he's clearly better in front of goal than Fred. He's better in the air than Fred, and he's stronger than Fred. Mm. 
Obviously, Fred has things that he's better at. He's, he, he makes more tackles. He sits a bit deeper. I he, think he's, he's, he's anticipation yeah. and, and his aggression defensively. Yeah, and I think he, he covers uh, he covers for other people, which is dirty work that you know, you're thankful of in a team. Mm. That again, it's hard to quantify. That's that's I, I like stats, and I, I think stats help help paint a picture, but they're not the picture. Mm. They they help interpret a picture. That's why you know, I like Mason Greenwood's expected goals from last year because he fucking destroyed it. Mm. He was taking three and four percent chances, literally shooting from where Fred does. But he's a much better finisher, so he outperforms mm. it. Fred underperforms it because he's not. Mm. Like that's you you can interpret. You know, people go, well, the expected goals isn't exactly perfect, therefore it's a load of bollocks. It's not the case. Good players outperform it. Poor players will underperform mm. it. It's literally a measurement of tens of thousands of goals taken from every single you know coordinate on the on the football pitch with and without defenders in front of them and etc um and i think it's also headed and shot as well mm. with the foot and it gives you a very rough um i would say probability but it's not necessarily a probability because it's not forward facing it's yeah, it's reactive and it, yeah. so it's it's like you know what percentage of those chances go in mm. therefore you can expect Yo, when you shoot from here, if you shoot it from here a hundred times, free going. Mm. And Andres Pereira shot from those places mm. and didn't score. Or yeah. scored one and then carried on. Yeah. That can be almost a curse, can't it? Someone getting one long range goal early on. That's the problem that's is that me. they're spectacular. That yeah. They're spectacular, they're memorable, they get replayed and they go, I'm fucking doing that. But the place that you're supposed to shoot from is inside the width of the six-yard box mm -hmm. and inside the box. Shoot from there, score some goals. Yeah. Uh, we've got a super chat from Harry. He said, McTominay and Fred have never lost a league game together. I don't believe that. Surely last season, at least, we lost a game with them two in there. We lost about 12 games last year. I'll reserve judgment, and I hope that's the trick. I hope that's true. I personally would love that to be true. I can't believe it. Maybe this season. Yeah. Never. But ne certainly... Never's a long way. Long is a, never is a long way. Um... People uh, in the comments saying McTominay is goals, assists, tackles, passes. You get it all. Do you think McTominay offers a bit more than Fred? Whether it's as you know, great quality in all those areas, a bit more versatile, which is maybe why he's a bit more of a number eight. Um, I think he catches the eye more. His goals, mm. obviously, he don't he don't score shit goals. He scores no. bangers. Yeah. Um, but I think I think he's had some very good defensive performances at Chelsea a couple of years ago against Conte stands out as a brilliant defensive performance that mm. I think kind of went under the radar a little bit but he did a brilliant job doubling up against Eden Hazard I think um, I think they both offer different things I think Fred I think Fred does a lot more of the dirty work that you just sort of don't notice and I think he's constantly shuttling and being available for people and again Putting yourself off the ball runs are fucking mega important. Yeah. And there's no stat for them. No. Like, how many times did you move off the ball? I mean, obviously, when you do the sort of distances Cavani's doing, who someone needs to check his piss for starters. Yeah. Because that's bananas, the sort of movement. The number of doing. short sprints he does mm. and, and spaces make. Like, the one the other day, it wasn't him, it was Rashford, but it was for a Cavani goal, where Rashford and Shaw are on the corner of the box. This is against Southampton. And Rashford takes a run into the 18-yard box and then cuts into the six-yard box. And it just drags everyone off of Shaw. Fred passes it to Shaw, who's got no one near him, and he can just chip it onto Cavani's head. But what made that goal was Rashford's run, which took the defenders away. Off-the-ball runs are not... Yeah. Um, they're not as respected in football as they are in all sports. Mm -hmm. Like in, in rugby, in basketball, in, yeah. in things like that, they're, they're so respected, obviously, American football. But like in football, they're kind of seen as like... 
didn't score, did you? Mm. Do you know who was really good at um, creating space with off-the-ball runs for other people? Ronaldo. Lukaku. Uh, Weirdly good because he was such a yeah. fucking unit. You go, oh, mark him. Lingard's good at that as well. Yeah. Makes a lot of runs. Uh, Juan Martinez. Not as tracked. Not as tracked. No, because yeah, people don't you look at quite him respect him as much. Don't bother. Uh, Juan Martinez says, Scott had good forward passes in the last game. He's getting better. <sighs> You're not a big fan of his passing, are you? No. Is that because you're comparing it to Pogba or is that just because no, you I'm, think he's not up I just to, think to scratch? There's levels to the game mm. and when someone tells me he's a good passer, yeah, I think of Pogba's Carricks and scores. I go, no. I mean, not don't even put scores in that question because he's no, another I, level I just think, that. But even Wayne Rooney, people used to yeah. go, oh, Rooney's a good passer. No, he does the same in his head. Ah, so that's Scholes. Scholes did this. Mm. No, Scholes didn't take 14 seconds to land at someone's foot. It took two. Yeah. Like there's levels to it and I think, I think Scott, does things a little bit mechanically, mm. which might on the surface of things sort of get a similar result, but I think there's a slickness lacking. Mm. I think he doesn't break the lines enough. I think he makes the easy pass, the obvious pass, rather than the, oh, I didn't see that one. Mm. Like when you look at Paul Scholes sometimes, you go, how the fuck what has he seen, yeah, what, how has he known he's free? The one I think of with that is, do you remember the Carrick one to Hernandez against Chelsea in the FA Cup? Where he just he's just stood on the like this centre circle and just chips it straight over the defence onto Hernandez who, who puts it in. You think, wh where did that pass even come from? I don't think we've got anyone in the squad except Pogba maybe who can play that. Lindelof's made a couple of them this season where they're sort of over and behind and, and Rashford's running onto him. But but again, they, they, they take a minute yeah. to get there. Yeah. not quite. But no, they take a they take a, a portion of time to get there. Yeah, I've seen Skulls do stuff where he's going. Give and go, give and go, give and mm. go, give and go. And then he's allowed one. I used to love the, the Paul Scholes, let it run across your body. Yeah. And then he's hit it, but he's shot it. He's hit it that hard, <laughs> he's shot it. The outside of his foot, and it's just spun into the path of someone on a wing. Mm. And you're like, you was facing this way the entire time. No one saw you, like, check your shoulder, and you just turned and just first time, bosh, and right you think, there's a, there's a speed and a quality and an intensity to the elite level passers mm. that the likes of McTominay and Steven Gerrard aren't quite at. Yeah. Um, Ross Murphy with the Super Chat says, uh, maybe you can move Van der Beek to the number six. He played there at Ajax or by Ruben Neves. Maybe free up Fred. Uh, uh, sorry, Fred might up his game with competition for places. Interesting thing here, and you might know this because you, you're quite into Ruben Neves, aren't you? Do you know how old Ruben Neves is? Anywhere between 21 and 30. <laughs> 23. Wow. How young is that? All right, Joe. How is he it. that old? How is he that young? Ruben Neves seems like he's been at Wolves for five years. And I thought I think he was he has. I thought he was 22 when I they think got he him. has been there for five years. I thought years. he was like 27, 28. He's 23. All right, Joe. You know when they was on the other day, was it in here? It might have been Maybe. upstairs. And I went, why has no one bought him yet? Why is he still at Wolves? He's so good. Was it Arsenal they were playing? Uh, it probably was. And I was like, how is he still here? Yeah, I like Neves. Yeah. I see a lot of Carrick in him. Yeah. And this is the thing, right? A lot of people go, oh, you need a... NDD changed the game. Um, Kante probably changed the game a mm. little bit before him. People go, I need a fucking destroyer. Mm. I need someone that's just going to be energy and tackles and rah. You don't need that. No. You don't need that. Well, United have had very few of them in the last mm. 20 years. And we've, you know, other than recently, won a fair amount in that time. Michael Carrick, uh, two free slide tackles in his career, mm. potentially. You need someone that's got intelligent positioning, uh, who can get the ball and advance it forward. The height and physicality of Michael Carrick, I think, is a little underrated because he's a big lad. Yeah. Uh, and I think he knew when to use that at the right time. Um, and you need someone who can, can, you know, can take the ball under pressure 
move it side to side, move it forward. And I, I think Ruben Neves could be that guy. He's a little on a small side though, mm. short and side. He's, and he's particularly slow. Yeah. Like he's sort of... Yeah, Carrick weren't fast. No. But you know, you're playing with Vidic and Rio. They they made up for it in terms of pace. Mm. Uh, Aditya Guatam says, Scholes' pass to, for the O'Shea goal versus Arsenal. Was that the 4-2 the game? I don't know. I think that's the uh, I think that's the key RCU out there game. Oh, is it? Uh, Sushant Dar. He's six foot, is he? Why Ruben does he look Nevers. about five eight on camera? He's a bit shif- shuffly, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Sushant Dar says it's sad to see Donny nowadays because he doesn't play every week. He's lost all rhythm. Last night when the board went up, the look on Donny's face was sad. I love Ollie, but sad to see him ruining a young quality player. Oh fuck off! He's not ruined him. Yeah. He's not. He's not like. Listen, I don't know where this fucking Donny violins come from, but. The Southampton game, I was impressed with him. Mm. And I thought, oh, he'd maybe get a bit more time here. Uh, and we was talking this morning, weren't we? Or weren't we? I was yeah. like, play him in the 23s. He clearly needs game time. Play yeah. him in the fucking 23s. Because he looked tired as well, you were saying, didn't you? I, th- I, mean, I mean, I agree with you, but that was I thought your point. 10 minutes before he went off, mm. he didn't do anything. No. I thought he was just out of the game. And I think bringing him off was the right move yeah. um, at that time. But I also agree that there's been moments where he could have come on and surely lasted 10 minutes yeah. and didn't get them 10 minutes. So that I can't explain. No. But I would think that, I, I don't I don't say he's ruined him. I would say Donny hasn't taken the opportunity that's come his way. And if you've been here six months, what's still going on with your fitness? Mm. Uh, Ross Murphy with a, with, a, with a chat there, sorry, not Super Chase, says, Donny played too simple, he never took risks. There is something to be said, I think, for the fact that when Bruno's playing, he takes risks in that 10 position like no one I've ever seen. So anyone compared to that is going to look a bit conservative. A bit, a bit but, but because West Ham played three in, defensive incredible. midfielders, Joe. Yeah, exactly. And parked the tank. Yeah. Like. It's hard. It's hard to break through Ocean's that. Ocean's fucking 12 wouldn't have got into that <laughs> in defence. <laughs> Cameron Matthews is a super chat. Prime Buskets, similar play would be great. Well, yeah. Prime Busquets said, I think anyone in the world. Any team ever would take a Prime Busquets, I believe. Um, Right, let's get into it then. Fred or McTominay, I know you don't think necessarily either of them are the one to build a team around, but of the two, which one can can stay in this team for the longest? Which one is the most adaptable? Or, you know, who's the best player out of those two? I think if you're looking for an X factor, I think Scott, I'd lean towards Scott. The goals. He scores important goals. Let's mm. just have, I think he scored two FA Cup round winning goals. Let's yeah. just call that. The one against Everton was an important goal, even though it didn't lead to a win. To go 3-2 up against Everton when they'd come from 2-0 down is an important goal, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I would say the X factor, the fact that I'm hearing he's a leader uh, and I'm hearing a lot of positive things about what he's like yeah. um, with the rest of the, the squad and stuff like that. So... For those X factor intangibles, mm-hmm. I mean, although the goals are pretty tangible, measurable, yes, very tangible. Um, I would say I lean towards Scott, but much like the goalkeepers, this isn't a oh my god, mm. why is he playing and not him? No, uh, like left back is, um, but yeah. Uh, salad for breakfast says Freddie's twenty seven, twenty eight, and McTominay's twenty four. And to that point, part of what I would say about McTominay, I'm only half joking about left back thing, is I think in the three years or so that he's been in the team two really proper seasons he has improved a hell of a lot a lot of his game has improved I think it's like a record breaking 5k time at all it's, well it's like was that 13 minutes like, or something ridiculous Tomino was a Kenyan fucking surname yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> um, but his his positioning has improved his passing has improved a bit his 
offensive runs and timing of, of, of landing at the ball has clearly improved. The fact that he's got six goals this season, that has improved. I think his leadership and his position in the squad, he has forged himself a higher and higher position every single you know few months. It seems as though he's more respected and players like him. And like you said, he's, he seems to have a, a sort of a leadership to him. I really like Scott McTominay. I think he is limited and he wouldn't be my main guy in that midfield. But I think of the two... I think he just does offer a little bit more. Although, at the moment, with the current squad we have, we do need Fred in there as well. Peter Kelly uh, says, Fred or Scott, for me, depends on the position. Against the big physical side, Scott, and against the smaller sides in terms of height, play Fred. But it's interesting, though, because I'm not that you know West Ham aren't a small side by any means, but it wasn't Scott's height that made the difference yesterday. It was the fact that he likes to play the ball a bit further up the pitch and his willingness to get forward and mm. quality when he does so. So... Whilst I agree that he is clearly physically better, you know, taller, stronger, that sort of thing, he does also have that kind of bringing the ball out advantage over Fred as well, I think. Um, we've got another super chat, Miles Van Eaton. You see bits from Donny van der Beek that show something uh, playing keep-ups on the touchline, but his reluctance to be uh, daring makes him look much more average than he is. Again, I think it, some, a lot of that is just you're playing in Bruno's position, try and do what Bruno does. And I think there are so few people that oh, can do that. And against a team that's not going to entertain giving you any space in the slightest. Yeah. So I think you've got to, you've got to be sympathetic to who you played against. But like I said, go let him play in the 23s. Mm. One, it's shit. Yeah. Two, you'll probably get lots of time on the ball. Three, we'll find out where your fitness is. And, you know, he's 23. Yeah. So it's not like you're asking him to play under fours. No. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not asking, like, 39-year-old Ryan Giggs to go play for the 23s, eh? No, and, like, we, you'd said, didn't you? You think it's, like, a little bit demeaning for someone yeah. to be playing. I don't think it is. It's viewed as that way, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. No. Louis van Gaal was like, what? Yeah, fucking who gives a fuck? You're in the team. Yeah. You know, he did it to Rojo. Um, I remember he did it to Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, who gives a toss? Get mm-hmm. him in there. That actually might be what under 23s football needs. If there was a more collective approach of the mm-hmm. Premier League managers going... I've got like six or seven players. Yeah, in. like Jesse Lingard could have been playing in that for the last three months. Like, not, and it shouldn't be I mean, mean, and it should be yeah. a place for people to get games who need them. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? I pay you to play football. Mm. Here's a football match. Exactly. Get the fuck off. And you might get some more. You might get more fans at the grounds. You might yeah. get, you know, all of that stuff. The the profiles in the twenty three would go was. way up. People yeah. will go watch reserves because you know you might, yeah, you might see Veron. Yeah, yeah, like you know that that used to be the case very often in the t- uh, back in the day. And I, I would love it to go back to being something like that because, you know, how many, how many times now do you hear a manager go, he's not match fit? Mm. Well, what are you doing him to get match fit? Yeah. Oh, uh, nothing. Okay. Just going to treadmill at home for a bit. Uh, Salah for Breakfast says, Man United proof football is 80% a psychological game. I think it is. I mean, it's not, every, it? because every I, game is quite psychological I, though, isn't it? It's not 80% though, is it? No. It's probably 10, 20%. Maybe yeah. the opposite of that. Because I think I'd struggle. 80%. Mentality's fucking bang on, though. Is it, though? Is it? Um, right, let us know. I'll fucking launch you. Uh, <laughs> let us but know. My ankles ain't going to survive. In the comments, <laughs> who you think out of De Gea and Henderson, Fred and McTominay, or whether we need both in the squad or both in the team in the case of Fred and McTominay. Let us know your thoughts on both. Thank you very much for joining us, Dee. Thank you very much uh, for joining us at home. And we've got all the reaction to uh, the game against West Ham yesterday. Make sure you check all that out. And we're building up towards West Brom. It's the, it's the week of the Wests, Steve. What do you think West. to that? The week of the Wests. Let's have some whips. Let's have some whips. Right. We'll see you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.